what's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Refum. I'm your host, Keith Brocklehammer. So, on today's live stream, I have the pleasure of welcoming back Chris Wood from Captive 8 Aquaculture. What's happening there, Chris? Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you back, man. We're, um, we had a, a real interesting discussion about a year ago, so I know um, we got a lot on the docket in terms of um, some topics and course we're uh, always um gonna pivot if we need to and and see what people are saying in the chat in the comments and what have you but um yeah man looking forward to a uh a nice nice in-depth discussion here and I, I see that a lot of folks in the chat are as well chris good good so um for for those folks that are not familiar with chris let me just uh do a quick um intro here chris is a marine biogeochemist and the chief science officer of captivate aquaculture is also the founder and sole owner of Captivate. The company's R&D draws from Chris's experience and two additional scientists with a total of four PhDs. You still got the four PhDs on staff? Uh, yes. <clears throat> I caught you in between a sip there. Oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Chris uh, entered the aquatics industry in 2000 as a marine scientist and product development and support specialist, and since that time has worked with Aquarius and organizations throughout the world. To improve outcomes with aquarium systems and recirculating aquatic ecosystems, some of the organizations that have used his formulations include the Smithsonian Institute, Disney, NASA, and the Israeli government, as well as several aquaculture operations in the U.S., including ACI Aquaculture, Chris Meckley. Um, so before we start chatting with Chris, I just want to thank the sponsors for this show, both Bulkery Supply and Ecotech Marine. I appreciate these companies supporting the live stream, and I also appreciate all you folks out there that are tuning in. And I see there's a good chunk of you already that are uh, in the um, live stream. Spread the word. We got almost 60 people watching right now and, and uh, 19 likes, so let's get those uh, likes up so more people can find the live stream. And, and while you're at it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to the channel if you haven't already. As I mentioned last week, Chris, I'm... I'm I'm close. I'm getting closer to 20,000 subs, so uh, I'm trying to make this push, hit that 20, uh, 20k mark. It's a nice milestone. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. So, similar to last week, we we had, you know, with uh, with Mechleon, we had a lot of fun doing some giveaways, and we're going to do another giveaway on this live stream. The uh, the response was tremendous in terms of what uh, we, um, you know, in terms of the people that. Entered the uh, the giveaways. We did a work shirt uh, giveaway, and we also gave away some of um, Jake's uh, Jake Adams corals, and uh, so we had a few winners. But um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna give away some um, trace elements, right? The um, isolate MT as well as some cockwasser. So right. we're gonna have two different winners, and um, each person's gonna get each of the winners will get two 60 ml bottles of the isolate MT and as well as two 500 gram bags of the cockwasser but i'm not going to give the rules yet in terms of how to enter the giveaway because i want to like give people a chance more people to get to, into the stream so um yeah when we get through a chunk of the conversation then i will uh pass along the instructions in terms of how to uh enter this contest so anybody that um, is submitting entries right now via the way that we did it last time, they're not going to count. <laughs> so, <laughs> you got to wait until I say go, and I'm going to look at that time, 
And then from that time forward is like when we uh, we start counting. Does that make sense, everybody out there? I ho hopefully it does. I think it'll um, give more folks a uh, a fighting chance at this at this giveaway. But that's a pretty cool giveaway, man. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just um, for those folks that are not familiar with the Isolate MT, can you um, give a brief um, description of what that is? Sure. So Isolate MT is what we developed to. Uh, add the critical elements for photosynthesis specifically in systems that were being operated with algae turf scrubbers and that was the that was the impetus for the formulation so the uh, minor and trace elements that are included are expressly those that are utilized or that are critical to photosynthesis it, it does have a very potent uh, concentration of iodide as well i did that uh, because iodide tends to be bled out of systems so quickly but the remaining elements that are in there are all um, extremely important uh, for turf scrubber operation and continued ability to go ahead and make use of the existing nutrients uh, to help keep the system running at the, the the appropriate nutrient deficit. Gotcha. So I see a comment in here about um, you know how to buy the captivate um, agriculture or cockwasser, and I you know I, I I see that question a lot, Chris, in terms of just being able to find um, you know places to buy the captivate products i don't want to like do a uh, an over the top plug here but uh just so for for folks to make it easy in terms of how do they could find your stuff where so if you go to the if you go to the captivate website there's a menu across the top of the website and uh there's a, a drop down button there that says purchase the the two options are reef blueprint and captivate aquaculture the differentiation is just that Reef Blueprint is packaged in sizes that the typical aquarist is going to use in their home reef system. The Captivate Aquaculture branded uh, product, so to speak, the packaging of it is in what you would be using for a larger scale application, whether that was research or commercial or or anything along those lines, farming, whatever you're, you're doing. If you yourself are farming coral and you have a gigantic system or you're farming salmon or you're farming something else, that option, that that second option takes you to the sales portal for the larger sizes. The top option, which is Reef Blueprint, takes you to the um, referral page that shows all of the dealers, the authorized dealers carrying the product. I do want to just let people know you're not going to find this on Amazon. I'm not letting it be sold on Amazon um, or on eBay or on third party sites like that. I'm trying to keep it so that the dealers who are uh, carrying the product have some degree of protection and the dealers that are carrying the product tend to be offering the entire product line. Uh, so it's not like you're going to be in a situation where you contact them and they say, oh, we don't carry that. Right. Uh, that's, that's not largely going to be the case. So if you're, you have those two options. That's, that's how you find I it. I see uh, Champion Lighting and Supplies in the chat, and then somebody made the comment that Champion Lighting sells Captivate as well. So there you go. That's yes. one way to find Abs it. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, a quick question from uh, Jason Langer, and we'll, we're probably going to get to this at some point anyway, but the uh, question is, I run an ATS and have been um, algae turf scrubber and have been dosing Isolate MT for a year with great results. My last two test reports show very high iodine. Other elements are okay um, or deficient. Why the high iodine? You're dosing more iodine into the system than the rate of depletion. If you're asking the question, why the high iodine 
in your system right now, that's the answer. If you're asking why I have high iodine in MT, it's because not everyone is going to have the same rate of depletion of all of those elements. They aren't, they aren't depleted linearly. And that's where MT is a starting point. And for someone who's not going to run uh, ICPs, what I would recommend is that they actually back the dosage of MT down to something like one drop per 100 gallons net system volume daily. So one drop per day per 100 gallons net system volume. And then you're going to be deficient in many of those elements that are being contributed, but they're still going to be going into the system on a daily basis. The iodide is probably never going to become excessive, and it generally won't anyway. But in your case, um, I would recommend that you dial back on the MT so that your iodide concentration comes down and you keep an eye on the productivity of your scrubber. If your scrubber seems like it needs uh, a, a kick in the pants because you're seeing a depleted concentration of iron or manganese or cobalt or nickel, those are the four that are most likely to become depleted. That's when you utilize the ICP and you take a look at our online calculator and you start supplementing those solutions as your system actually needs them. So the difference being, if you're if if you're the person who's going to run an ICP, then at some point in time, I recommend backing MT down to one drop per hundred net system daily anyway, and supplementing with the other um, solutions as your system actually requires them. And if you feel that 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 it's justified that that they be supplemented you may have a different opinion you may you may not want to um, uh, dose some of those things because you you might just feel like there's something in there that you don't necessarily want to dose but the beauty of the beauty of you running an icp is that you have the ability then using the calculator to punch those values in and uh, be able to then determine what should you be doing maybe going forward to go ahead and bring some of those values up and we're going to go through some examples uh, of some of my ICP uh, test results with the uh, with the calculator. But there's another option too, though, Chris. Right? Instead of using the uh, the MT, um, you can do what I'm doing, which is what you recommended, which is go individual traces and miners. Yeah, yeah, that's the other option. You, the the MT again is really for people who are not going to be running ICPs. Um, it they can be dosing it kind of in line with the growth rate of their scrubbers, but you don't have to, no one has to run an ICP. If you choose to run ICPs, then what makes the most sense is to use the individual solutions. And those are available in sizes as small as 10 mils, which is uh, 200 drops. That those, those little 10 mil bottles treat just a massive amount of water, depending on the ion we're talking about. But it's not like you are having to spend a massive amount of money to get yourself into this thing. You can you can get the kit that we put together, which is 10 bottles of the minor and trace elements in that 10 mil size. And that's gonna that's gonna last you a long, long time. And I think they I think the map is 20 bucks, something like that. So uh, and some of those little 10 mil bottles treat thousands of gallons, literally. Right. All your uh, additives, uh, whether we're talking miners and traces or, or other stuff in terms of coral food and amino you know, acids, very highly concentrated stuff. 
Right. Um, yeah, so Jason, that might be a, a route you want to consider because if you're good with everything else, but you want to dial back on the iodine, then um, getting off the MT might be a better um, way to do that because then you could just stop dosing iodine. Yeah, I, I in that circumstance, what I would recommend is to drop the MT back to the point where it's providing the iodide to the system to keep you within very close proximity of the value that you're aiming for. And then you know that all of those other elements are going in. You're getting them anyway, even if they wind up being depleted. Now, if, if it's not just iodide, but if it's something else in MT that's also high in your system, like if your molybdenum number is really high or any of the other constituent ions, then I would say to you, okay, probably not a bad idea to discontinue using MT and just go with the individual solutions. But if you only have one element that's that's elevated and it happens to be iodide, then just dial back on the MT to the point where you know you're not overdosing. And you can figure that out through the website and through the calculator uh, as to how much MT you ought to be dosing. And uh, then just, again, supplement the remaining elements that you feel are critical uh, with the individual solutions. Yeah, he says he's currently um, isolated MT. Is cut, he's cutting that back. He's dosing iron, um, manganese, and potassium individually and looking at others individually as well. Okay. So um, a couple of more. Uh, all right, John Wright's got a question. Can you mix certain trace elements and dose with one pump? Absolutely, and we'll, um, we'll go into an example with that. Yep. yep. That's that's what um, I am doing, and um, it definitely makes life a lot easier because if you're dosing seven or eight things, then that can get kind of expensive in terms of peristaltic dosing pumps, right? Yeah, it can get very complicated, and you've got a lot more on your plate to be paying attention to. the The pumps often don't dose at the at the same volume at the same rate, it, unless you have a a system of pumps that that reliably do. Um, yeah, you're, you're making that master solution is, is a good way to go. The more questions that you guys in the chat, man, you're making my life easier. I don't have to ask Chris any of my questions. <laughs> it's kind of organically happening here. Um, Anthony D. So, um, we got a couple of questions, Chris, about, um, Anthony D is asking one question is what's the difference between inoculate and remediate. And then somebody else is asking to, wants to know more about remediate. So, um, I guess, Yeah. Okay, so remediate is a blend. So both of those bacterial blends are dry. They're 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 the components are um, active, completely active. There are no fillers. There's no uh, there there are no pH modifying compounds. There are no preservatives. There's no water. Uh, what they do is they go after dissolved inorganic nitrogen, which is your ammonia, nitrite, nitrate. And they go after latent organic material, whether it's dissolved or particulate. So what they basically do is they clean up your system and they help the nitrogen cycle move smoothly along. Um, the difference between the two of them is that inoculate is more aggressive at, uh, at converting dissolved inorganic nitrogen, so ammonia, nitrate, nitrate, and less so at going after the latent particulate or dissolved organics, because in the early stages of a system, as the name of it, you know, you figure inoculate. It, it's something that you're going to use early on in the going of the system. 
there's not a lot of, of latent organic material sitting around in the system usually over the first couple of months. It's not until later on in the life cycle of the aquarium do you have buildup of uh, organic material um, in, in places that are difficult to get to. Remediate, by contrast, is more aggressive on those organics a little bit less aggressive on the inorganic nitrogen because by the time the system has become mature, presumably the nitrogen cycle is well underway. And so what this is doing is it is helping with the conversion, the rapid conversion of ammonia, nitrite, nitrate, um, and kicking nitrate out. It does actually denitrify. And, um, but that's on a, on a, on a, a relatively, um, less aggressive rate than inoculate. So inoculate again is more your nitrogen and remediate is more of your uh, organic material. And this is now that we're entering hurricane season, just about uh, one of the, we also have something that's a, that's, that's a liquid that's called eliminate DIN and, and DIN meaning dissolved inorganic nitrogen. And it can convert ammonia just crazy rapidly. It can deplete ammonia. It can it can can basically take the ammonia concentration down by fifty percent over a course of about twenty four hours. If something happens where you lose power for a prolonged period of time and you need to keep the nitrogen cycle going in the system, and you're primarily concerned with um, ammonia spikes or something like this, then eliminate DIN is is what I would recommend. It is a liquid. It's not going to have the longevity that the dries do. The dry products. As long as you keep them free of moisture and you keep them free of contaminants, uh, they're going to be good for – they're going to be viable for over three years. They may have lost some viability by the time that rolls around, but they're still going to be viable. With the liquid, a year at the most is, is where I would go. But we when it, we package that as it gets ordered. So um, it's something that's, that's worth having on hand, but uh, – if if you're concerned more with longevity of the product, and again because hurricane season is right around the corner and we're all facing um, power outages and uh, brownouts and whatever else throughout the rest of the country, then I would go for inoculate to try and help keep the um, the, the dissolved inorganic nitrogen in check. In in what um, you know situation would you recommend using remediate? You know what uh, what would be some common instances where somebody's tank is, um, you know, there's something going on with that tank. The, uh, the nutrients are, are heading a certain direction or you're getting a certain type of, um, cyano, a problematic algae. I mean, what, what would you recommend remediate be used in what, what instances? Yeah, definitely algae and cyanobacteria. There's going to be a conversion of the available nutrients that those organisms are making use of, and it'll be to more microbial biomass. And, so what you're doing is you are decreasing the amount of available nutrients for those organisms. Then that in turn becomes food for your filter feeders, your suspension feeders. It also becomes exported through capture of particulates, uh, whether it's through mechanical filtration or through um, protein skimming. Uh, so it it will it will assist in helping get nuisance algae, nuisance organisms under control to the extent that what it's doing is it's starving them a little bit of, of the available organic material. It, it will improve water clarity. Um, so you 
easy way to, to see that is if you've got a light meter that's reliable and you're looking at a reading that's down at some some standardized depth in your system, whether it's at the bottom or somewhere else, uh, the application of Remediate can actually um, improve the water clarity. So you might start seeing an improved amount of light incidence at that point. Um, low ORP, where ORP has traditionally been a little bit higher, if you start noticing your ORP is starting to slip, which is an indication that there's more latent organics in the system that are accumulating that you're not removing somehow. You're, you're not exporting them rapidly enough. Then um, Remediate will help with that, and you'll start to see the ORP start to improve. Can, can Remediate be leaned on solo to solve some of those issues like cyanoproblematic algae, um, keeping nutrients in check, or is it just part of a um, you know more of a, um, 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 a master plan in terms of handling that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, is, is it uh, more of a complementary type of uh, product? It is more complementary. You still have to have good husbandry with a system. You have to, you, you have to know what your nutrient budget is to, to the extent that you realize that what you're putting in is somehow being exported. And if it's not being exported, you're starting to notice the signs. You're starting to see some of these things pop up. That's an indication to you that Maybe something about the routine is um, uh, enabling this accumulation of nutrients to occur. That's if you add a bunch of bacteria to the system to try and remedy that. A couple of things are going to wind up happening. Um, a, your your pH is going to fluctuate more because you've got more microbial biomass in the system. They are respiring. You're going to start seeing more of uh, of, of a of a dipped a suppressed pH as a result of that. There's going to be some decrease in alkalinity um, that occurs because of the the increased amount of respiration that's taking place. So be aware of that. Um, so it's not, it's, it's not any, I don't want to use the word excuse. It's, but it's, it's something that sh should be used in a, in a way to go ahead and keep the nutrients in check. But if you start noticing that nutrients are continuing to proliferate and you're, you're still seeing uh, the, that there's an increase in the presence of some of these things, then it's time to start having a look at um, maybe your, your practices. The, the benefit of, of adding remediate on a reasonably frequent basis in very small amounts is that you are taking some of those dissolved nutrients, converting them into more microbial biomass, and the corals respond usually with greater polyp extension. Um, and uh, I, I know of some people who feed remediate heavily, using it as a as a food, and and have just a great polyp extension like they've never seen before. For them, that's a metric. That's a useful metric of, of how their corals are responding. For other people, they may say, ah, my corals always have great polyp extension. That's okay. I'm just saying that's one of the things that people tend to notice when they are adding it um, for that purpose. Gotcha. Unknown Reef um, is asking, um, which Captivate products would you recommend for a system that is currently running full Zeovit and wants to switch to Captivate products? We have a Zeolite. Um, it, it's, it's, it's commercially, it's available on the commercial site. It's not available through the reef blueprint brand. 
Um, it's it's very new. We we may release it through Reef Blueprint coming up here, but the zeolite is uh, very aggressive at pulling out ammonium, and um, that's the purpose of it in the first place. In fact, it was Chris uh, at ACI who asked me to start bringing zeolite in for him because of the um, potassium hydroxide that he's dosing in his systems. It, it, it helps bring the potassium concentration down as well. Uh, but if you wanted to move over, as far as the zeolite is concerned, we have something. It is domestically produced. It's not brought in from, from overseas. Uh, it's, a, it's a clean product. It's in a particle size that's roughly, uh, I think, three-eighths inch nominal. Um, I run it on our systems here, especially in the early stages of getting a system set up because I want to make sure that uh, I tend to I tend to front load our systems, meaning that I move very aggressively through the process of of establishing livestock in them. And I think that the zeolite really helps in yanking that ammonia out before it can become problematic. As far as the rest of the supplements that are in that system are concerned, it's been many years since I've looked to see what all that system comprises of. And as I recall, I wasn't able to kind of put my finger on a lot of it because the information that was available was a little nebulous. If you've got specific goals that you're trying to achieve within your system, my recommendation would just be email me and we'll start a dialogue and I'll, I'll help you figure out if there's something from our side of things that might be able to assist you. And, and they can get that email via the uh, contact form on your website, Captivate Agriculture? Yeah, or you can just email me at captivateaquaculture at pm.me. There you go. <laughs> Hopefully you're not going to get spammed, dude. I'm sure that I will. <laughs> Pete, ProtonMail's got a great spam filter. So I was going to say, okay. don't give out your email on, on the live stream. Right. But uh, it's all right. um, well, we got we're back to another question about MT and individual traces. Um, Andy Bauma, uh, do you recommend combining MT and individual individual traces? You can, yeah, with, without a doubt. There's not a there's there's nothing to stop you from doing that. Um, so, so basically the question is one pump with MT and RO and another pump with individual elements plus RO? If that's what you want to do, you can you can combine the individual isolate solutions with MT in a dilute form. So the way that you go ahead and do that is you if, if you download the Excel spreadsheet off the website, and by the way, for those of you who have used the Excel spreadsheet and have been emailing me, it is now back on the website. I have put it back up in an XLSX format. I had been doing it binary because a number of people have been emailing me numbers versions of this file. And I honestly don't, don't, please don't email me the numbers version. Just, <laughs> just download Excel or something along those lines and send it to me that way. So that way I know that nothing has been goofed with because numbers remove security and does all this other stuff that, that I don't have time to go back in and look. Yeah. So now you can download that um, Excel sheet right off the homepage. And uh, in that Excel sheet, it'll tell you how to make the dilute solution. You start off with roughly 50% of your final solution volume of purified water. So if you want to make a gallon of water, a gallon of, of solution, you start off with a half gallon of purified water. You add your drops of, of whatever solutions you're going to add. You top it up. 
the rest of the way to the one gallon. And then however many days you want that to last you, you're going to divide that one gallon by that number of days and you're going to dose that amount of solution on a daily basis. That's how to do it. But MT is absolutely compatible with all the other minor and trace element solutions that we do. Yes. Um, looking at the uh, the chat here. Oh, I had a question uh, teed up, dude, and I just lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, a couple bacteria questions. Back to bacteria. We're uh, we're hopping all over the place here. <laughs> um, M Casual Reefer. I'm gonna definitely mispronounce this. Uh, does does any of your bacteria contain the uh, Rhodophutosomonas bacteria? Not to my knowledge. Okay. And then um, Andy's wondering, do your products contain marine bacteria? No. We c the bacteria that are pre they're not they're not marine specific. They're kind of, I believe, I would I would term them as urihaline. Uh, they can handle salinity up to. Uh, well over 40 parts per thousand and uh, much, much lower than that. And most people are not going to be, unless they're doing a Red Sea biotope, they're not keeping their salinity at 40 or 42 or something like this. They're going to be keeping it more in the 34 to 36 range. Um, the bacteria are uh, totally capable of handling anything from 40 on down to very low salinity. Um, can can you um, can you share the bacteria that are in your products or is oh, no. you cannot? Okay. Um, I was gonna. So the next follow-up question is gonna be, um, how do you pick those bacteria? I don't do it by myself. I don't try to reinvent the wheel. I speak with um, a number of, uh, of of authorities in the world of, of 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 dealing with bacteria, and especially in aquaculture, because aquaculture systems tend to be like cesspools. Uh, they are very bacterial rich, unless you're running a really aggressive turf scrubber type of a of a setup uh you have massive amounts of bacteria that's been studied and studied and studied and studied and so um you you speak with people who know more than you do that's 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 the answer to that question and and the reason why you don't um, reveal the types of bacteria or we see other companies reveal types of bacteria is it's proprietary right i mean that's absolutely yeah. yeah okay there's a lot that that i'm really transparent about but stuff like that 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 is what i would consider a trade secret and um, that's not something that i'm willing to share yeah no, that makes perfect um sense um so Oh, question about your salt, Scott Westman. What is the name of your salt, and where can you find it? It's hard to find. It's called Formulate, and there are three different formulas. There is the Reef Formula, which most people who are listening to this chat are probably going to be most interested in. That's the one where magnesium, calcium, potassium, strontium are all linearly enhanced by 5% with a, with a decrease of sodium by the same amount. And so you offset those values and you wind up with a salt that's got an appropriate salinity but elevated values of magnesium, calcium, potassium, and strontium. And it keeps those values right around the, the area that a lot of reefers like to – well, it, it, it's within a range that, that reefers tend to appreciate. I'll put it that way because everyone's got their own opinion, but it's still elevated relative to natural seawater. That's the one that most people are going to be interested in. The other two, one is called ASW. That's an open ocean blend uh, formula. That's going to be 
actual open ocean values at a salinity of 35.2, whereas the reef is a salinity of 35.4. The alkalinity of all of the salts is 8 dKH. The pH usually comes in right around 8.4. The third uh, of the formulas is called RSW, which is Red Sea Water. And that's modeled after the Red Sea, um, specifically at a, at a salinity of, of 40 parts per thousand. So that's of less interest, except for people who are keeping Red Sea biotopes and want to keep their salinity um, elevated. Something to be mindful of with our salt is that if it says what it says on the package that it produces, it, it produces, meaning that if you buy a 40 gallon mix and it tells you it's going to mix out to 35.2, that's what it's going to mix out to. You're not getting 40 gallons of, of salt that's going to mix out to 33 or something along those lines or some some suppressed number. Um, and as far as where you can get it, all of our all of the authorized dealers sell it in the 40 gallon mix. The larger sizes, uh, 80 gallons, 160 gallons, those are available through the commercial side of things. We sell a fair amount of that into research and aquaculture, so that's they're available there. And then we do a premix, and the premix is three of the four parts. Our salt is a four-part salt. You have sodium chloride that's dry, magnesium sulfate heptahydrate that's dry. You have a liquid component, which is your divalent cations. You have a um, a, a fourth liquid or a fourth component that's also liquid, so a second liquid component. That's everything else. All of your monovalent cations, your buffers, your minor and trace elements, it's all in that in that fourth um, component. So the premix is components two, three, and four, which is the mag sulfate heptahydrate, the divalent cation solution, and the monovalent cation slash buffer slash trace element solution, component four. Why we make that available as a premix is that some people, well, Sodium chloride makes up the, the vast majority of the weight of the salt. If you have access to a quality sodium chloride nearby, then you should buy it and just get the premix if that's what you're in, interested in doing. Because you're especially you're gonna it's gonna be shipped. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna find it in in too many places um, where you walk right in and they've got it. If they do, then great. But uh, there are a number of uh, again accounts that we sell to that are doing a research or doing aquaculture, they will go ahead and buy a pallet of uh, the appropriate sodium chloride and have it on hand. And then they're mixing the appropriate amounts in, but they're not paying all of that freight that's associated with the sodium chloride. So you just want to use a good additive-free sodium chloride. Morton, Purex, um, US Salt makes a good one. Uh, Cargill makes a good one. I'm sure there are others. You're looking for something that's at least food grade and, if possible, uh, also uh, qualifies for USP, um, which Morton Purex does. Which is what you uh, use in the uh, mixes you sell. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Morton Purex is great salt. And I, geez, man, I think I've been using Purex for well, a long, long time. Yeah. Decades. Yep. Um, Amada H, I'm so comfortable using Formula 8 Reef that I can mix a batch without using a salinity checker. Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, so I used to use um, Instant Ocean, you know, over a year ago before I started using your stuff, uh, Chris. And I always had to, um, yeah, not only check salinity, but also check the uh, magnesium because uh, a lot of times that magnesium would be deficient in the uh, in the I.O., 
And I probably should have checked other, you know, parameters, but I didn't. So, yeah, since I switched to your salt, me personally, I've uh, I've stopped doing all that stuff. The only thing I do check is salinity because I want to make sure I didn't screw up the mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The beauty of that the beauty of that format is that if you are consistent with the measurements that you're making, your salt is going to come out the same every single time. There's no question. You don't have to worry about too much trace element in this batch or too much buffer in this batch or too much this, that, or the other, as long as you're making consistent measurements and you, you wrote it down somewhere. I typically mix 50 gallons of water. So I'm going to use X grams of this X grams of component two, X mils of, I've got a whole spreadsheet before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, um, you don't have to be exact. It's going to give you, a very close proximity of our formulation, but maybe your scale only gets you so close to the actual number that you're going for. That's okay. You're not going to, you're going to be, there's going to be an over under there somewhere. Your scale has got a, a, a degree of, of accuracy. Um, don't worry about that, man. I mean, you're going to be so close anyway to the previous batch, as long as you were measuring carefully and you actually were paying attention to what you're doing. Uh, the beauty of it is that it just comes out and it's clean and it's the same, you know, and, th and that's with salt. It's you, you so desperately want a good basis for your water chemistry. And that's, that's a big deal. Um, so dude, we talked about this the last time I had you on, but I think it bears repeating in terms of the difference between having a, like a, a four part mix salt versus just a salt that is a, um, you know, a single, um, solid, not solid, but powder, um, right. and whatnot. And, and, uh, you know, you said something that kind of really hit home to me in terms of, you know, there, there are other salts out there that, um, are not necessarily going to be homogeneous from batch to batch. And, and, uh, want to just explain that again to, uh, the folks out there in terms of why there is a risk of, um, running into some, wacky things not wacky things but you know things can get out of whack with a salt mix just by the way a single mix is manufactured correct yeah what what can happen is that you well all right so you've got a plethora of raw materials that are the com the comprise the, the entire formulation of the salt and they all have different densities they all have different degrees of of freeability of being of, of their tendency to be um, pulverized due to shear force tumbling around against each other during the process of blending being crushed by the, um, the, the guts of the blender. Uh, you know, you've got blenders that range, um, in all sorts of different designs and capacities of producing a homogenous blend, but even the most ca uh, uh, capable mixers, when you start looking at 15, 20 ingredients, and they've got different densities, they've got all of these different physical characteristics, you're not going to have 100% homogeneity of the blend from one part of that hopper to the other part, especially on a big blend. If you're making salt, which is very low margin, and you're doing it the no matter no matter how you're doing it it's very low margin unless you're low margin meaning you're I, not the manufacturer's not making a lot of money off of it correct i i think the only i would posit that the only 
um, scenario where that might not be true is if you are obtaining salt from a desal process and they're paying you to you're, or they're subsidizing you to take it away kind of a thing. But if you're making your own salt, you're putting it all together. It's a very low margin operation. It's, it's, it's dirty. It takes huge equipment to do it properly. It takes a lot of paying attention to what you're doing because you're weighing everything out individually. And so what winds up happening is even, even on a Nauta mixer or something that's a really high, um, I won't say precision, but a really capable blender of, of blending multiple ingredients together, inevitably those differences in the physical characteristics of the, of the raw materials themselves lead to some inconsistency within that, that, that batch. And so worst case scenario, let's say you've got a, a, a blender that's elongate and um, horizontal. You might get a sample of salt from one end and a sample of salt from the other end. Let's and and test it, and maybe it doesn't come out the same. Or you've got a double cone blender or something like this, and, and kind of the same thing. You get the first pull of salt out of that um, valve that that um, at, at the bottom of the of of the hopper. And you open the manhole at the top and you get a sample of salt from there, might not be the same. That's not something that you have to deal with in the terms of um, the format that we've done it in because you've got one pure ingredient, which is your sodium chloride. You got the next pure ingredient, which is your, your mag sulfate. There's nothing else blended in with those things. So it's one and two. And those are the two most prevalent um, raw materials in the salt, whether I produce it with the four-part liquid or whether I produce it dry. All the other stuff is in solution. It's it's homogenous, period. So again, as I say, as long as you are consistent with your measurements, you're going to have a repeatable product very closely every time, every time you do it. And and that's the beauty of of the uh, of of that four part um, format. Yep. <clears throat> All right, man. I think this is a good time to uh, start the giveaway. You know. Let's uh, sure. let's give away some of your uh, products here. So, like I talked about at the beginning of the, uh, the live stream, there's going to be two lucky winners, two lucky winners, and um, each winner is going to receive two 60 ml bottles of the Isolate MT and a it's minor and trace element solution, like Chris had been talking about, as well as two 500 gram bags of Cockwasser. That's like that's gold, dude. That um, that is the uh, that is the ticket, Cockwasser. And um, so this is how it's going to go down. <clears throat> Starting now, 7.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Any entries before that time don't count. So uh, what you got to do is you got to go to my website contact form. And I'll, um, I'll rattle it off again for those that don't know what it is. It's refum.com slash contact. But um, captivate giveaway in this subject line, subject heading. <clears throat> So we'll have the two winners and the 14th person and the 24th person who contact me via the contact form will be the winners. No multiple entries. So we'll do the 30, the 34th as well. Oh, 14, 24. That's, that's my, that's my wife's lucky number. So we got, <laughs> we got, we're going to have three winners for we'll 14th, 24th and 34th and uh, multiple entries will not count. So if you submit twice, your name will be uh, any, um, subsequent submissions after first one will be tossed out and yeah, we'll, uh, so we'll do this starting now. 
and hopefully there'll be some uh, folks out there that are using your products there, Chris, that will just have some more, or maybe some folks that have never used them will be able to uh, test them out and give them a uh, try. Well, I'm pretty sure that Ahmad, who spoke in earlier, is somebody that I've spoken with. If, Ahmad, if this is you, I assume <laughs> it is. <clears throat> yeah, so um, uh, Ahmad has definitely been using our stuff. Cool. All right, dude. So um, we've been talking about the uh, the calculator. For um, we've we've uh, referred to the calculator on your website a few times, and let's do some screenshots, Chris, of um, of the calculator. I'll um, I'll show the first um, tab of the spreadsheet, which is the place where you input the uh, the values from your ICP test. So this is a calculator. Uh, give us a lowdown, man, in terms of what this calculator is is for. Okay, so what the calculator does is you enter in the net system volume and it's important that you do the net system volume because that that's really what you're what you're interested in here you're going to do the net system volume the number of days until you think you're going to pull the next sample for for icp analysis that information is i'll explain that in just a second otherwise on that first tab you're going to be entering in the values that showed up on your ICP analysis. So you're gonna copy all those values over. And if you would, I'd appreciate it if you would enter in the uh, your, your salinity value that you've recorded, as well as the alkalinity of the system. And the reason that I ask for that is that if you happen to send me an IC, or if you happen to submit this file to me and there's no chloride value because you're not, because your ICP <clears throat> provider did not provide you a chloride value, then I'm going to calculate a chloride value based on um, your salinity value and your temperature. And I'm going to do that by taking the sum of everything else that you've entered in. I'm going to back it out. And what's left over is going to be your chloride value. But most of the ICPs that I've seen in the last six months, people have given me a chloride value. So it's important that you enter in all those values as parts per million, not parts per billion. And uh, what'll happen is down at the bottom of the screen there, it's going to automatically calculate what your, your salinity value is. If that number is well below 34, then that indicates that you have entered some major ions in as some other, not parts per million. Maybe, you, maybe you've moved the decimal place over a couple of times, but you need to be keeping... Uh, uh, an eye on your values anyway. And you ought to know as a reef aquarist who's getting an ICP analysis run, you need to know, you know, where should your calcium be? Where should your magnesium be? If you tell me that your potassium is four parts per million, and I know that it should be around 400, I'm going to ask you to verify those numbers. I'm going to say, please verify all of these numbers. Please send it back to me. It Sometimes it happens, but it's, it's important that all of that stuff is entered as parts per million because if it's not, the calculator is going to throw out some just bizarre numbers because it's based on the salinity of your sample. And that's what this calculator is all about. It's going to take your sample. It's going to look at your salinity of that sample. It's going to then look at the salinity of, um, of a seawater standard. And it's going to, it's going to compare the salinity of seawater at your salinity to your sample. So if your salinity is 34 parts per or for 34 parts per thousand instead of whatever 35.2, it's going to take the salinity of seawater. It's going to shift it 
to 34, and it's going to compare your numbers to those numbers. And it's going to tell you, are your numbers high? Or are they low? So is a value of excessive, is a value deficient so by how much? Is, um, you want to go to the next page then, the na- na- yeah, analysis ahead. page? Yep. Okay. This is going to be a little hard to read for some folks if you're on a phone or something, but uh, the uh, it's a very small um, font. But uh, go ahead, Chris, uh, explain what we're looking at here. So what you're going to see on the second page is the analysis portion of it. And if you're not using any Captivate supplements, this is as far as you really need to go because what it's going to tell you is your values are in excess or they are deficient and by how much. And if if it's a an, an element that is a, an element of interest, so we'll call it a, a, an element that acts in a non-conservative fashion in a, in a reef system, in, in a recirculating marine system, that would be magnesium, calcium, potassium, strontium, your, your minor trace elements that are involved with, um, with photosynthesis and other critical biochemical reactions. It's going to tell you what to do. Do you need to increase? Do you need to let that concentration ride for a while because it's in great excess? The other elements that are listed there tend to be elements that are um, potentially uh, toxic if they reach natural seawater concentrations um, or if they become uh, elevated beyond those. And, and the, the two that we tend to see most are aluminum and cesium. Um, although lithium also shows up as being in excess for a lot of people's samples. And um, yes. um, that that is coming from somewhere. I, I don't know. We don't formulate anything with either with any of those three elements. So uh, it's it's coming from from another source. Um, but so that analysis page is just giving you the actual analysis. Are your values higher or are they low? And it's and it's not doing it from the perspective of for instance, looking at your calcium value and saying your calcium is 398, it's low. You know, someone might look at that and say, oh, my calcium is low. Well, if, you're, if your salinity is at 34, chances are your calcium is high because it should be lower than 398. Um, but So this is, this is quantifying the analysis that you've just had run by the ICP service provider. And so it's giving you an actual comparison. If, if I took a standard... Sea, a chunk of seawater, uh, and and I and I diluted it to the salinity of my sample. If I went out to the ocean and, and the open ocean, and I I got a hold of a liter of seawater and I diluted it, what might those values be? And of course, these values are all based upon values that are reported by ocean uh, oceanographers, chemical oceanographers. Some of those values may be different than what your ICP provider tells you the values ought to be. That's that that may that that's always going to be the case. There's always going to be some um, uh, disagreement in in scientific circles as far as those things are concerned. Keep the concentration wherever you want it to be. It, that's that's up to you. But this is what this is doing. It's it's telling you are your values high? Are your values low? And in some cases, you see values that are a thousand percent, a hundred thousand percent. Mm. 500,000% above where they ought to be. And this is an instance where, um, for instance, if, if you know aluminum or uranium or something like that is showing up at some crazy high number, the first thing you look at is, was this value entered as a parts per million or parts per billion? And on that first page, there's actually a little spot up at the top where if you aren't 
okay with performing that conversion yourself. You just type in the parts per billion, it spits out the parts per million. That's the number that you then copy down. But so what this is doing is this is this is quantifying your ICP analysis and it's really telling you, okay, where's my water stand with respect to seawater if seawater had the same salinity as my sample. Gotcha. And that's kind of, you know, there's probably many different ways to look at an ICP analysis, but this is a way of doing it where you actually have a frame of reference and that is nature. So um, <clears throat> a couple of questions about ICP uh, providers. One person was asking, does it matter which ICP uh, test provider you're using? And I already answered that in the chat. You can use any ICP test uh, provider. Um, the, uh, the, there's a couple of questions about fluoride. So, you know, question is about the um, spreadsheet. What, um, you know, if your ICP provider doesn't provide the fluoride uh, uh, element, what do you enter in the spreadsheet for fluoride? Zero. Anything that is not provided or that shows up undetectable or not detected, leave the value as zero. When you download this spreadsheet, all of those values in every one of those cells is going to be zero. If you type some text into that field, it's going to throw the entire thing off because this is, again, a calculator. It's working off of an Excel formula. Um, so you got to leave all unknown values or undetectables, just leave it as zero. And Becca Bitts is wondering, also curious on fluoride, how do we avoid an overdose if testing is difficult to get? Use, use it very conservatively. If you're going to dose fluoride, you start off with a very low dosage, and the metric you're using is the color of the coral. That's a little bit risky because there are going to be people who will look at it and say, you know, I want my blues to be just blue, you know, I'm going to just dose a lot of fluoride. Please don't do that. Please, please dose very, very conservatively. And um, if you go onto the website, uh, you'll you'll see. And if you've got specific fluoride questions, again, email me. I'm, I, I answer all of our tech support. Uh, please, please send those questions to me directly. Yeah, I, I've been dosing fluoride. I've mentioned this several times and my blue was um, pop or popping on some uh, corals. But what I'm doing is I'm using Reef Labs for, um, you know, my ICP test for for pretty much everything except for fluoride, and I'm using Florida Marine for the uh, for the fluoride number. But uh, word has it that um, down the road, Reef Labs will be um, having fluoride available with a uh, with a MS uh, spectrometer in the yeah, I in think, the works. I think that's imminent. I feel like I feel like that's like now kind of a thing, or or very very soon, um, as in within the next, I don't know, short span of time here. Yeah. Uh, Corey Page, thank you so much for that super chat. Keeping, uh, keep keeping it real, Keith. Thank you, Corey. Really appreciate that. John Wright. So, John, I think John makes this comment pretty much on every one of my live streams or uh, a lot of these live streams. Keith, uh, does this uh, refund, does this take away from just being a hobby? Do we have to delve um, too uh, deep into loving their tank um, and enjoy? Uh, you know, listen, I, I think we've talked about this before in terms of um, – having a retort to that uh, that comment I, you can you can reef any way you want to reef right you can um you could be yeah, as simple as um you know not doing any testing and just kind of looking at your corals and and uh enjoying the hobby that way and having minimal equipment and not a lot of bells and whistles or you can reef um you know the other way and and have right. um a bunch of bells and whistles do i regular icp testing 
or you can do a um, you know a hybrid of that approach. I mean, it's, that's the awesome thing about this hobby, right, man? It's just kind of like um, it's up to the individual in terms of how we um, keep a reef tank. But I guess these days there are a lot more options and and more um, places to go down into that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's it's uh, paralysis analysis paralysis or whatever that term is. There's just so much to be overwhelmed with, and there's nothing wrong with being old school. And having your system just dialed in, and this is how I think a lot of a lot of us who have been doing this for thirty or forty or more years, the first thing we look at every day is what are the what do the corals look like? What do the fish look like? That's the very first thing. I don't go looking at monitors or anything like this. I I look at the animals and uh, I make sure that the the key aspects of the system are where they're supposed to be. I've had success both ways. I mean, years ago, I never um, really tested much for anything. I never did ICP tests. I didn't even test for phosphate. I didn't test for magnesium. And, uh, you know, I had thriving uh, SPS-dominant uh, reef tanks. You know, now, um, you know, I've, I've, um, I've started doing regular monthly ICP testing. I'm doing your uh, your traces and miners. I'm, I'm using your salt. So, um, and I'm having a lot of success doing it that way as well, you know. So, mm -hmm. it's, um, there are many different ways to skin this cat. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did a talk many years ago where I had, I had made the statement. There's no, there's no, there's no wrong way to, to do a reef. And somebody pointed out to me afterwards, there are a lot of wrong ways to do it, <laughs> but there's not one right way to do it. And I thought about it for a second. And I thought that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those of you that, that want to get, uh, you know, a little bit more into the, um, I don't want to say the weeds of reef keeping and, and, and um, uh, you know, utilize this method in terms of the spreadsheet and, and doing some ICP testing. Let's, uh, let's forge ahead, uh, Chris, and, and talk about the, um, the automated dosing tab of that spreadsheet. You've already kind of referred to it. I think we've talked about um, being able to, um, the possibility of dosing all traces in one solution. So, yeah, so go ahead. So on the left-hand side of that of that automated dosing sheet, those are going to be there, there's a there's a blue box. You would enter the values of any of the isolate solutions that you had been dosing. So let's say that you've been using some of our supplements and you um, you you have hopefully written down or you know how many drops per day you've been using you enter that into into that blue box there and and why you enter those values it's, it's, so is, chris you're entering that into the blue box or the uh, the uh, the yellow box because i see the drops and the mls so there's a box that that the yellow the yellow fields are what you can actually enter values into okay. but the left hand box is for what you were dosing okay. leading up to this new icep okay. so if you if you enter your values in there and your um, your ICP comes back, and you've entered all the other values. the The calculator then takes what you've been dosing, and it determines based on whether the values are in excess or are um, deficient. Do you need to increase the dosing of that supplement? Do you need to decrease the dosing, and how and by how much? If you leave all of those fields as zeros in the um in, in that blue box then then the calculator assumes that you haven't been dosing any of the supplements and it's going to tell you in the in the box on the right hand side this is what you need to do 
you know, going forward, it's kind of like a clean slate. So if you've never dosed any of the supplements, you're not, you're going to leave all those left hand ones zeros and the right hand box is going to just spit out all of the appropriate um, values for, for the dosage of, of the, the various supplements that are, are showing deficient in your ICP. So that is for the automated dosing. And as far as combining those supplements together in one solution, they're they're compatible with each other with just um, a, a couple of of caveats. Um, uh, yeah, really. I mean, it's the divalent cations that you don't want to put into the same solution. And I'm talking about major ions in this case. So that that solution calculator shows you everything from from boron to zinc, including calcium, magnesium, strontium, um, bromine, um, silica. What you are going to want to avoid is dosing uh, the the boron supplement or the silica supplement if you plan on dosing the minor and traces in with a calcium solution or a strontium solution or a magnesium solution because there will be some precipitation that occurs. But if you're not dosing those um, calcium, magnesium, strontium in that solution, then uh, there, the rest of the solutions are compatible and, um, you can do that. I get a question lately a lot about silicon people asking, you know, my silicon number came in at, at zero and the calculator is telling me I've got to dose just this massive amount of, of silicon to get the concentration up. Silicon is, is, um, it acts like a nutrient, especially in, uh, recirculating marine ecosystems. Unless you are raising a cohort of sponges intentionally, like you're farming sponges, leave the silicon out. Just an, an, a, Or if you've got some special circumstance where you're adding silicon because you've got a reason to add it. But if you're just maintaining a reef system, SPS, LPS, softies, whatever, just leave the silicon out. Don't, don't concern yourself with the silicon. Leave, leave that out. But the rest of them, yeah, they're all, they're all compatible in the same solution. Cool. Um, before we go on to the last, um, well, let's do let's do the last uh, sheet, the manual manual dosing. So that's another option. And that's uh, yeah. So this is this is if you're not setting up one solution, one master solution, and you prefer to dose by hand, or that's just how you do it. And you could actually use the uh, manual dosing numbers to put together your master solution too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so what I wanted to say is just remind folks about the uh, very generous uh, giveaway that that Chris and Captivate Agriculture are um, doing tonight. And so we're going to have three winners: the uh, the fourteenth, the twenty fourth, and the thirty fourth person that contacts me via the reefum.com slash contact form. Put Captivate giveaway or something close to that in the subject uh, header. <laughs> Uh, multiple submissions will not count. Um, U.S. only. Uh, there was there, there was a question. Um, Canada. Do you guys have distribution in Canada? No. no. We. I had sent some some samples out to Adam Adam Sutherland. He was potentially looking at it, but every time I sent samples, uh, they somehow got lost, and um, I haven't had the bandwidth to put together to go back in and and. Uh, um, and send more samples out. But I believe championships in Canada all the time and probably so do, so does saltwateraquarium.com. I mean, I'd be surprised if they didn't. And, and really any dealer 
can uh, can ship the product globally. It's it's entirely up to them how they're going to do it. But right, you, as far as distribution is concerned, no, we don't have a distributor in Canada at this time. Right, so it's your retail partners that can get it to other folks uh, right. across the globe. Um, and just uh, just to um, uh, uh, yeah, in terms of the contest, uh, the winners, the three winners, are going to receive each uh, two bottle, sixty ml bottles of isolate MT, and two five hundred gram bags of Cockwasser, the fourteenth, the twenty fourth, and the thirty fourth person. No duplicate entries. Get that a lot. <laughs> um, champion lighting supply. Yes, we do ship to Canada. There you go. Um, so, dude, I, I mentioned before that um, I started using your salt and your um, miners and traces a little over a year ago. And so, I, you know, I think uh, we both thought that it would be interesting to kind of compare my ICP test results, kind of like a before and after in terms now, of I'm not seeing these things on the screen. So. No, you're going to have to take my word for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you, yes, for those of you wondering, well, how the hell did he know what he was looking at before? I've oh, dude, gone I over said, that I, Excel I, spreadsheet 50,000 times. I, I've sent you, I sent you this stuff, though. So you are uh, – that's the wrong, wrong – wrong, uh, let's see. It's on another computer. It's on another computer. All right. So um, what do I need to uh, – CP warnings – that's the wrong freaking thing. Oh, huh. I mean, I gotta, I gotta change something up here. ICP warnings is pulling up the wrong uh, chart. So let me um, change that on the fly here. Hopefully, my computer is not gonna. Um, CP value comparison annual dosing before and after warnings here we go ah that's what i want all right so what we're seeing here um chris and you folks out there watching is um so i did an icp test in april of 2022 and then my latest icp test was uh this month june 2023 so before i started using the captivate products i had 10 important warnings and, th and these are reflab icp tests and now um the latest month i've got um five warnings and i have to say that you know the um month to month recently the warnings do vary and i think it's very tough to have an icp test where you're not getting some sort of warning because it's a uh, right a reef tank is a uh, is a living breathing uh, uh it's a complicated ecosystem there's a lot of things going on so if you're making adjustments with certain uh, trace elements and miners and what have you then um, that uh, that might um, impact other things and and the health and well-being of certain things can also impact other elements so it's it's kind of like um, I, I, you know I think it's always going to be very difficult to be completely dialed in on ICP tests yeah yeah it's a moving target right so um yeah it was um barium chlorine cobalt potassium manganese molybdenum so sodium phosphorus strontium vanadium those are all the warnings in april and then in june i just had barium potassium nickel phosphorus and vanadium any um 
Anything that uh, you could say, Chris, in terms of the uh, the difference between those two and kind of pre versus but, post? Yeah, uh, barium has not been in our salt, so that's why. And I've just and barium is is a new solution that we're just starting to produce this week coming up because I've had a few inquiries uh, to to produce a barium solution. So that's going to be something that I will um, also include in the salt going going forward. That would would explain that one the fact that your sodium and your chlorine your chloride have come back into the right range is that those are acting conservatively in the system and you are using a salt that is balanced properly with respect to those those um those ions it's not uncommon to see um, sulfate numbers come back all goofy as well and that could be because someone's been using um a, a, a a sulfate-rich element, or um, excuse, excuse me, supplement in their system for whatever reason, or they're using a salt that has um, an excess of sulfate relative to the chloride. Um, but uh, yeah, your your system is is uh, gradually has gradually come into a, a better state of balance, and the fact that those those ions that you mentioned now. On many levels, they act non-conservatively. So for them to be a little bit off, I just see that as, um, with with the exception of the barium, as, as previously stated, the rest of it is just that you've got a a um, a rate of uptake versus a rate of input that is is different. Right. But it's you know they're non-conservatives. So uh, yeah, that's that's great. If your if your conservative ions are all over the place, then that's a problem. You know, and I and I should say that my corals are looking great in both systems. You know that's that's certainly a, uh, an important point. You mentioned that before, Chris, is that you got to like just watch your corals. That's a, that's a big indicator in terms of just not looking at the numbers, but also looking at the healthier corals. I can definitely say yep. that my corals are, uh, are are looking awesome. Um, important ratios. So to uh, right. So this is um, the magnesium to calcium ratio, the chloride to sodium ratio, and the chloride to sulfate ratio. So. Um, for um, before I started using your stuff, I had a 3.5 for the magnesium to calcium ratio, 1.9 a chloride to sodium, 17.1 a chloride to sulfate, and now um, June most recent those ratios are 3.1, 1.8, Anything there that um, stands out? I, I basically it's saying I've got one correction now that it, that needs to be made, which says water change versus. Um, um, two water changes back. What's, what, what's the reason for the water change recommendation? Uh, because it's out of the optimal range of, of which one specifically. So for uh, April, 2022, magnesium to calcium ratio was 3.5 and the optimal range is 2.9 to 3.1. And then the, uh, chloride to sulfate ratio before I started using your stuff, the 17.1, and that's out of the ratio, the optimal range of 20.1 to 22.1. Okay. And now, magnesium calcium ratio, 3.1, that's within the optimal range. Chloride to sodium is 1.8, that's within the uh, range. So the only thing that's out of, slightly out of whack is the chloride to sulfate ratio, which is 18.7, the optimal range is 20.1 to 22.1. Um, remind me how you're dosing your your major elements in that system as far as calcium, magnesium, strontium, potassium. Calcium reactor and cockwasser, your cockwasser. That's interesting. Okay, so you have got 
either excess chloride or or excess sulfate coming in from somewhere. Um, if you're not you're not dosing any other buffering compound or anything no. like that. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, it might it might still be a, a, an artifact from before. Uh, difficult to say. Um, there's the only sulfate that's in that salt is in is in the mag sulfate, and there's plenty of other chloride in the salt. But um, aside from the sodium chloride, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it just goes to show you. I mean, it, these things take a considerable amount of time to um, to work through. Yep. Yep. Um, the other thing I wanted to show is kind of a uh, before and after the essential macro elements. So um, April 2022 versus June 2023. And again, this is April 2022 is before I started using the Captivate salt and traces and miners and now June. So present day after almost a year, over a year of um, using this stuff. So um, I'm getting a, um, I was deficient on potassium, strontium, sodium, and chloride. And now I'm only deficient on potassium. Potassium is 372 now versus 353 back in April 2022. And what was the salinity of that April 2022? It was very, sample? it was, it was like 31 point something. It was very, okay. That's yeah. why your sodium and chloride were low. And also that would explain a low value of everything okay. else. I mean, that's very gotcha. low. Okay. I was also uh, elevated on um, um, I was elevated on sulfur back in April 2022 at 1002, and um, that didn't change much in June 2023. It's still elevated at 999. That's slightly elevated. Yeah, it should be at, at 35.2 or 35.4. It should be in the 979 to 980 range. So that's very slightly elevated. What, um, so what could be reasons, um, Chris, for that elevation? If I'm using your salt and the traces and the miners, is there something else in play <clears throat> that might cause that? Well, uh, there's there's going to be some residual sulfate that's going to stay in the system. It's not it's not utilized. It doesn't it doesn't undergo a non-conservative pathway really so if it's there the way to get it down is by um, performing water changes with with a salt that's got a lower sulfate number and the what you're using doesn't you're using a salt that's got the sulfate number the correct sulfate number for that salinity that it mixes up to so it may gradually yet come down even further it's just going to take some time if you did a 100 percent water change like in one shot and it was water out, new water in, that value would be very different. Gotcha. Um, and the last thing I wanted to show <clears throat> in terms of that comparison is the uh, beneficial uh, miners. So, um, yeah, I, I was um, elevated on iron back in April 2000. And, wow, that's weird, being elevated on iron. I mean, usually iron like doesn't even show up on an ICP test, but, uh, but now the iron is in line. Um, I was also elevated on lithium, which we've talked about lithium before. Now I'm elevated on um, libidinum, which I was mm -hmm. dosing one of your uh, traces. So I, th I basically dialed that back to zero. On, on yeah, the that's a really strong solution. That's 10,000 parts per million of libidinum. And now I'm also, um, lithium's about the same, a little higher. Iodine, I mean, um, and this came up before in terms of the iodine being, uh, being elevated. Um, 
I have been dosing iodine, but I've been backing it down to try to like keep it from uh, from being elevated, which is I guess is the advantage of using the the individual individuals. Yeah, without a yeah. doubt. Although I only just you can you can keep iodide elevated; it's not going to be a problem. You have to w- within reason. I mean, of course, you can take it way too high, but even if you're at three times the the natural seawater concentration for a prolonged period of time. My own experience is that's not going to be an issue um, at all. But yeah, by all means, keep it close to where it's supposed right. to be. Um, so we've talked about barium. That's that was um, deficient on both um, April and uh, back in 2022 and June 2023. So you, you said mm-hmm. you're going to um, you're going to um, probably um, add a a, a, a trace element for for barium. So. That could be dosed. Yeah, that'll be coming up next next week or the week after that, depending on when our materials right, so arrive. So back in April 2022, I was deficient on cobalt. was not even detected. So I've been dosing cobalt, and now that's in the green um, where it should be, which is cool. I was um, deficient on the manganese, not detected at all back in April 2022, and now it's right in the green 2023. So that's where it, it should be. I'm um, I'm actually deficient on nickel right now, not detected versus being um, uh, right in the green zone back in April 2022. I have been dosing nickel, so I I've, um, I've I think I've made an adjustment based on this uh, test result to uh, to bump that up. Mm. Um, yeah, phosphorus. That's um, I'm not well. I'm dosing I'm dosing a, sh- a shit ton of phosphate, and uh, so I got to. Uh, I got to keep dosing that because um, my uh, my phosphate tests, uh, yeah, not detected for June 2023. I'm going to start using your stuff. Yeah, ours is 50,000 parts per million. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to take much. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. strong. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's enough in terms of comparisons and stuff like that. But I've, I've definitely seen some positive results, uh, Chris, in terms of the, uh, the miners and the traces that, um, you know, were uh, deficient or what have you that, uh, you know, now are, are, are um, more in sync with where they should be. And um, like I said, my corals are looking great. You're seeing, right. That's, that's the, that's the question. What do they look like now? Um, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's otherwise it's just an exercise. So um, yeah, if they, if they look good. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to mention the contest one more time, folks. And then um, we'll, um, We'll, we'll stop beating. Uh, we'll start stop harping on that. But um, in terms of the Captivate giveaway, we're gonna have three different winners: the 14th, the 24th, and the 34th person persons who contact me via the contact form on my website reefbum.com/contact. Put uh, Captivate giveaway or something close to that in the subject header. Um, U.S. only. Multiple submission, uh, submissions do not count, and each winner is gonna receive two 60 ml bottles of the Isolate MT. Um, as well as two 500-gram bags of Cockwasser. I'm going to um, uh, Reef of Palooza tomorrow morning. I'm going to start heading down there, so I'm probably not going to be able to sift through this stuff until uh, I get back on uh, on Sunday. So we'll uh, we'll have to kind of um, hold everybody in suspense in terms of announcing the uh, the winners. But uh, yeah, so um, get uh, you got to be in it to win it, right? Um, couple more questions alex Correa. what's up alex actually alex was in the chat now he's gone but he had a couple of um good um, questions here 
Uh, first question from Alex is, uh, what would define the standard for natural seawater levels of anything in saltwater for reefs in terms of the ultimate goal to follow the test? So I guess question is, um, what are you using there, Chris? Uh, data compiled by a number of different chemical oceanographers in terms of what the values of the various elements are that they're measuring in these environments. Um, so depending on who you use as a source, there's data that goes back to the 1960s. There's data that's much more recent. And uh, that's 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 who I use. I, I go ahead and I look and see every once in a while, I'll look and see if there's been um, some new information that's come to light about an, an maybe a more reliable uh, value that has been reported. Because in a lot of the older literature, the values of some of the minor and trace, or specifically the trace elements, the ones that are more difficult to, to isolate, would be some nebulous number like 2 times 10 to the negative third. And you know that's not the number when they report it for three different things. Um, so, um, that's, that's the point. The point is just to use that as your benchmark. And that's kind of what I was saying before. It's one way to do it. If you use nature as your measuring stick, if that's not, if that's not your thing, then that's okay. But the ICP analysis, the data that you're getting, you want to be able to put that to the best use possible. And this is a way that you can actually do it. So if that's okay for you to use as your measuring stick. That's what you do. If you look at the values, though, of, of elements and you say, no, I don't want my magnesium to be this number. I want it to be this number here. Then, hey, man, that's 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 your thing. Yep. You, you know, you take that data and you do whatever you need to with it. So Alex has got a couple other good questions, but I want to also uh, ask a question from Anthony D. What products would you recommend for dinos? <laughs> <laughs> time <laughs> a lot of people uh, say um iron dosing helps yeah i mean iron iron will 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 help um and our iron is pretty concentrated but um i find that if you're keeping the values where they're supposed to be the dinos eventually bleed themselves out uh they just they just eventually go away as long as you don't have silica going back into the system somehow um, but yeah, iron is, uh, is, is, I know, a, a common um, method of, of helping bring dinos down, bringing the iron concentration up. So now Alex has got a very technical question here, dude. Um, another question. Could you please explain the process of excess additions of calcium ions when precipitation occurs and solidify the calcareous uh, sand substrate? This is actually related to a question Alex, uh, I think, is asking based on my calcified sand bed uh, scenario. If you've got calcium in excess and it's combining with um, carbonate ions, um, it's going to do that around the nucleus, of some, something that's going to cause that formation to kind of take place, so to speak. It's kind of like a catalyst. That's about as technical as I'm going to get in the explanation because going into a bunch of specifics i mean like that's more or less what what winds up happening you have this nucleus that that acts a little bit as a catalyst and in the presence of those other ions you have some pre precipitation occur and it, it tends to happen um uh, at those spots that's why you have um, solidification of of sand beds and rock and um huge chunks of calcium carbonate that 
find themselves in inside of of plumbing uh, because of that of that surface interaction that takes place. Yep. Um, all right. And his last question. Uh, we've been talking about some Cockwasser and, and what have you. We haven't talked a lot about pH, but his question is, what would be the maximum pH you would recommend to be maintained in order to avoid precipitation in a reef tank? The maximum that I would personally recommend from a safety perspective is probably 8.4. Now, you can go higher than that as long as it happens on a gradual basis. I don't know how much beyond 8.5 um, you can can reliably go, but the other problem that we have here is how accurate is your pH monitoring equipment? Mm -hmm. And that lately has been uh, a source of frustration for a number of people from a commercial perspective. And they're using quality equipment. So how reliable is that number? If I say 8.5 is the number, the number might be 8.7. But um, but as, especially as you get further and further away from the calibration points, but I, I, I don't like seeing it go beyond eight, four. And in our systems, I have the, this, the, the, um, the max for our, um, Calcwasser dosing set at eight, three, eight, and it generally doesn't go past like eight, four, one. Um, so I know that I've got some wiggle room there. I'm not concerned if it goes past, but I know it's not going to go right. much past. Yeah. I think, um, even with uh, like lab grade pH probes, a um, a, um, a differential of a 0.1 is probably within reason. Yeah, uh, that may be true. Um, it, it's it's really more about trends and consistency than it is yeah. about knowing specific values anyway. So um, that's that's really the bottom line. Um, DJ Young, thank you so much for that super chat. The last thing. Um, Chris, I wanted to, to talk about, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this offline as different ICP test providers. And, and uh, you know, I think the question always comes up, uh, you know, which one is the best, which one is the most reliable? And um, how do you approach that? Uh, I mean, what, what's your uh, thinking on, on the different, uh, using different ICP test providers? I recommend going with the provider that is closest to you geographically first of all so that you are going to have the shortest turnaround time from submitting your sample to getting the results back because now your icp sample was pulled and it's basically a snapshot in time in your system the sooner you have the results back in hand the sooner you're able to enact any kind of changes or and this can be even if you've got some value of of something that was just egregiously high and you need to take steps and you weren't aware kind of a thing the sooner you get it back the better so that's that's one thing to take into consideration um now that uh reef labs is is on the precipice of having the fluoride testing available there's been so much interest in testing fluoride um that i i would if if blue coral is something that's of interest to you Look for an ICP provider that can give you that fluoride value if you're not comfortable with an estimated index type of an approach with fluoride or by eyeballing it. So if that's critical to you, if you're concerned that you could overdo it, then that's another reason that you're going to be looking for an ICP provider who's going to give you that fluoride value. And, and ideally, 
I mean, of course, there's the question of, well, just how accurate are all of the results you're getting? The bigger point is where are your values trending and how does your system yeah. look? If if your values are trending in the right direction, then good. And and use the trends as your uh, as your as your measuring stick of how's the system doing, you know, and and be less focused on the specific precision. It's important, but that value may not do anything for you, but you can sure look at it and say, whoa, my molybdenum went up by 400%. You don't care what the specific value is at that point. It's not important to you. What is important to you is that you went up too much on your molybdenum, and, you know, as, as an example. So um, the, the value then becomes entirely secondary. And what you're really looking at is how close are you to the um, to the value that you're trying to maintain, whether that's the natural seawater standard or whether it's some other value. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing you've you've mentioned to me several times, uh, Chris, is like um, pretty much try to stick with one ICP test provider and and um, watch your corals. I think that's a good idea. You're getting some some consistency, hopefully, by using one provider to to give you these results, and it's so important that you are um, able to um, reference your 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 previous numbers because that's how you're getting these these more reliable trends if you go from one provider to the next and you're doing this on a consistent basis you're not just you you didn't just as to decide to go from provider one to provider two and now you're going to stick with provider two for six months but if there's five different providers and you decide to submit samples to the five different providers over the span of the next five months, then the the information you get is, I think, of limited value, and and you just don't know. But presumably, one provider is keeping their equipment calibrated, and they've got their own standards that they're maintaining. That's why it's important, I think, to stick with the one, unless you just start getting some bizarro numbers that you know have got to be wrong and you you inquire and they give you an unsatisfactory answer if that happens then you know go go with All somebody else all. but yeah but i mean yeah use it it's it's common sense what what did, did your did your meter go off you know did, did you smell something not so fresh yeah. there yeah so uh, um, yeah, yeah exactly all right dude well listen um, any any final thoughts there, uh, Chris? Before we wrap it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you all for your interest in Captivate. I sincerely appreciate it. I mean, everybody who who writes in, I really enjoy. I love what I do. I love I love being able to to converse with all of you on on email and a number of people on phone. You know, if you've ever got questions, please just send me an email and. Uh, You'll find out I'm the world's worst salesperson <laughs> as I'm not usually promoting the products. I'm usually just saying this is what I think is a sensible course of action for you to take kind of a thing. And where you go with that is up to you. But uh, I, I do sincerely appreciate all of the um, the, the business that we've gotten. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that people are having uh, good outcomes by employing some of our things in their system. I'm glad they're seeing changes that that they are, that they really want to uh, see. One last plug for you, man. Um, Stubby, Stubby Acro just reminded me, um, 
When will, all right, so question is, when will the next agriculture agriculture um, episode come up? And uh, yeah, plug plug the uh, what, what's going on there with YouTube. Yeah, so so Chris Meckley and I have put together something called Reef AgriScience, and we had been wanting to do this for a long time where it's a video series where we just sit down and shoot the breeze and talk about aspects of commercial coral aquaculture that are of interest. And we got the first few pounded out and they were all on Kalkwasser and it was like a six part series. And um, we have some other videos that are recorded and it's really a matter of me getting the time to put them out. So stay tuned is what I would say. I, I think within the next two weeks, definitely there will be at least one more. And um, we're going to be doing a slideshow because the last video that Chris and I recorded for whatever reason, the video itself was not good. The audio was fine, but I was fortunate to um, ask uh, and get from Amanda, Chris's wife, just a slew of photos of nice. corals that they have raised in the facility over the years. And man, they're they're just they're just you, you're left speechless looking at a lot of this stuff. And so it's worth it'll be worth sitting there and listening to it. And it was, as I recall, an, a very interesting chat. And Chris and I have. A great relationship and go back a long way and so um we're like brothers we just it, uh, you know you can he can finish my sentences i can finish his it's, it's always a great time just shooting the breeze with him and we inevitably do delve down a bunch of rabbit holes but it's so much fun and uh i think that the information that we've been uh, putting out and what we want to put out going forward um hopefully we'll just pique people's interest and gives them something to listen to. And so the, they, they could find the, these videos on the Captivate Aquaculture uh, YouTube channel as well as the uh, Reef AgriScience YouTube channel, correct? Yeah, I think I would just say go to the Captivate YouTube channel because it's reliably going to be there. And I believe that Amanda is going to be putting them up on the ACI channel as well. So if you're a subscriber, either way, I don't know, but... But uh, subscribe if you want to subscribe to the Reef Agriscience channel. You'll know when the next one um, comes out, and we've got a long list of topics that that we want to cover. And inevitably, and the two of us get on the phone, and we don't have a time limit. We could be on there for two hours, and it's before you know it. It just oh yeah, the time just flies. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, just just uh, this is not a secret, but uh, ACI is using all uh, captivate aquaculture uh, products. So. Um, Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they started using our salt when they, when I, when I came back into the industry and Chris has been instrumental with, um, helping tweak the formulations of a number of things and yeah. And their facility is, uh, such a great, um, monument of, of what, uh, really hard work and making some of these changes to the water parameters and, Chris is being able to uh, get his ICPs and really dialed in his values. And I mean, he'll tell you the the color of the coral. I think he could just sit and look at the tanks for for hours with a blank stare on his face, looking at at the color of some of these things and just thinking, "Man, I, I can't believe it looks like yeah. this." And so I'm I'm really pleased that um, we're part yeah, of that. I've seen that stuff firsthand a, a few times, and uh, pretty freaking amazing. All right, dude. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna wrap it then. Thanks, thanks, Chris, for uh, for joining us. 
on the live stream tonight. I also want to thank both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for sponsoring the and supporting the show, as well as all you folks out there that tuned in to uh, participate via the uh, the chat. Appreciate the comments and the uh, the many many questions made my life uh, easier in terms of. Um, the uh, the show. Also, want to thank Paul, who is the moderator as well as the president of the Boston Reefers Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to this hobby. Also, want to let you know that all episodes of Rapid Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Rapid Reef Bum live stream will be next Thursday, June 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Dr. Craig Bingham. So that should be another great show. If you want to check the full upcoming schedule of guests visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. So until next time, be safe and be well. Later.